BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Oh, hello. I'm very sorry. I know you're not here for me, but I just wanted to tell you about my new podcast. It's called Classical Fix, and it's basically me, Clemmie Burton-Hill, each week talking to a massive music fan. I mix them a classical playlist. They have a listen, they come in, and we just see where the conversation goes. If you'd like to give classical music a go, but you haven't got a clue where to start, this is where you start. Just go to BBC Sounds and search for Classical Fix to subscribe. Now then, as you were. A fatal accident forces a couple to go on the run, and they discover that the force of destiny really is unstoppable. That's the plot of Giuseppe Verdi's fatalistic operatic masterpiece La Forza del Destino. And if you want to know which recordings of it you really ought to hear, then you're in the right place. Welcome to this Building a Library podcast from BBC Radio 3. I'm Andrew McGregor, presenter of Record Review, and to compare recordings of Verdi's The Force of Destiny or The Power of Fate, I'm joined by opera expert Flora Wilson. Verdi's La Forza was premiered in St Petersburg in 1862, and it now has an extraordinary legacy of recordings. But there's really only one place to start to set the tone and the temperature. Always a stunning opening, isn't it? The overture to Verdi's opera, The Force of Destiny, the sound of the orchestra of La Scala Milan, conducted by Riccardo Muti in 1986. And, well, Verdi seems to be saying we ought to be overwhelmed by fate right from the go. Absolutely. This is the momentum-filled opening, and particularly as conducted by Muti here, we're just swept off our feet right from the start. It really is going to drive us right the way through what is actually quite a long opera in Verdian terms. Um, this is really, it's, it's setting the tone that this is a piece that drives itself forwards. Um, well, and it's Muti certainly surprising. drives it forward, but is it, that, really that's not the only way, though. Is it, it isn't, no. It doesn't have to be as fast as this in order to work. Try this.
Thomas Shippers conducting the RCA Italiana Opera Orchestra in 1964. I love the contrast there, those dry brass chords at the start. It's just, it's brutal. It's so much sort of spikier there. And then the complete contrast with the sinuousness of the melody that follows. And well, that was of, really interesting, wasn't it? Because it, it, the phrases just had time to sort of exactly, bulge they, and then disappear again in exactly. quite a sinister way. Exactly. The shaping is is glorious. And also you get that slight acidity of the sort of the mid-20th century oboe. It's great. OK, um, let's have a little bit of context for the opera. Because, um, you know, as I said, it, it was premiered in St Petersburg in 1862, which is a, a long way to go for yeah, a Verdi opera. It certainly is. It's also an opera that, by all rights, may never have happened. I mean, this was really the point of, in Verdi's career where he was starting to say on a regular basis, right, that's it, I'm going to retire to the country and run my farmlands. And then this commission came in, um, relayed via Enrico Tambalik, a very famous tenor of the time, um, who relayed the possibility of writing for the Imperial Theatre... Uh, in St. Petersburg. And Giuseppina Straponi, now Verdi's wife, loved the idea of a winter spent in St. Petersburg, a big cosmopolitan city. And she set about persuading Verdi that this would be a good idea. And lo and behold, he took the commission. Um, And we end up with this opera, which, yes, it follows those big middle period hits. It's an interesting opera because it's premiered in 1862. He then revisits it later in the decade after the experience of writing Don Carlos for Paris. So we do actually have these two different versions of the opera. What we're mainly going to be hearing today is the later 1869 version, which is the one most commonly performed, most commonly recorded, exactly. Um, And there's a lot to be said for it. But the competition in the discography for this opera is really stiff, we should say. It's not as widely recorded as those middle period hits, but there's a lot of really great choice out there. A lot of really high quality cast. And you've brought the first complete recording for us to sample. Is this a a really special document? I think it is actually, yeah. It's it's early in the attempts to record complete operas at all. This is from 1941 and it was a recording made on 35 sides, (laughs) which is quite the thought, um, with Maria Caniglia um, as as Leonora, the, the heroine torn between her father and her lover. And so we'll hear her here in, in the Act 1 aria in which she bids farewell to her fatherland um, as she plans to elope. Oh, <laughs> 
the voice of Maria Canilia as Donna Leonora. And uh, that's her torn between father and lover as um, they're preparing to elope in the first act. And what a recording. 1941, 35 sides of 78, as you said, so you'd never sit down if you're listening to this one. Um, it was recorded on the Chetra label. There are cuts, aren't there? There are, as well. yes, as there are in most of the older recordings. But this is such a compelling recording of the piece. It is, despite the 1940s sound, um, which has been cleaned up to a certain point, but it, you can hear, obviously, uh, this is an old recording. Despite that, it's such a voice. I, mean, um, the, the... I haven't mentioned the conductor, actually, I must. It's because it's, it's Gino Marinuzzi's only complete opera recording, we're told, as well. So yeah. quite a document from that point of view. I was going through the examples and the highlights you'd picked for it, and I have to confess, I ended up listening to this for ages because I was finding it so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I wish we could play some more of this, actually. I mean, it, it sort of has to be left aside at this point simply because of the sound, but it is a fantastic recording. That The colours, the drama in her voice. I mean, you can tell why she was such a major dramatic soprano at La Scala in the 30s and 40s. Um, But of course, in this opera, the sound, the orchestra in particular, it does matter. So let's try another recording in the same same point here. Um, We'll pick up with some more luxurious sound from an unbelievable four decades later. much more modern sound. That was Mirella Freni as Leonora in Riccardo Muti's La Scala recording, obviously incomparably better um, sound-wise than the 1941 um, first complete recording on Naxos Historical. But uh, I don't know, Freni's, Freni's sort of cool, slightly frosty. Um, yeah, compared I mean, to Maria Canilia, isn't she? She is, she is. And I mean, the sound here, this is what, I mean, that is, what a voice, the sort of luxuriant sound here. And the the enviable sustaining power. I mean, there's so much that's sort of glorious about this. And yet, I'm afraid, and forgive me, I just don't get enough sense of drama from this. Uh, it's partly because of the speed, it's slower. I just don't get any sense of urgency. And I think that is something that we really need in this opera, particularly um, at this point in Act One. We've, we've got to be driven forward. We've got to get that sense of fatality. So let's try one more, picking up from where we left off.
Well, that was Leontine Price as Leonora in RCA's 1964 recording made in studios in Rome, conducted by Thomas Shippers. Effortless control, Flora. Yeah, I mean, I, we were both grinning throughout that. <laughs> the I mean, second this is, she started singing, actually, it's just be. gorgeous, isn't it? The, the sort of the delicacy and the lucidity of her tone up the top, but then she's also this steeliness. Um, she really does combine. You know, this is such a complex character in many ways, um, and the different colours that she can bring, the richness at the bottom, as I say, the the sort of the beauty of the top of the voice. I mean, this really, it's it's glorious, glorious singing. We'll, but it's not all about Leonora, it's not all obviously. About her, we've, no. we've not heard anything about the male lead, Leonora's lover, Alvaro. Uh, what, does, what does any singer need to bring to this role? Well, you need someone who can actually be a foil to Leonora for a start. You need someone who is both heroic... Uh, he's got to sound convincing, but also sensitive. This is a man who's going to spend a lot of this opera being quite miserable for various <laughs> good reasons. Um, and so you need some sort of sensitivity in there. So let's let's meet him in Act One, and he's just arrived to sweep Leonora off her feet and off to the altar. <laughs> Tenor Richard Tucker as Alvaro in Verdi's La Forza del Destino, the legendary Met performance of the 29th of November 1952. That's what it says. Yep. <laughs> is it legendary? It's conducted I... by Fritz Stiedry. Uh, what, what makes it that it is, category? It, again, it's another one of these incredibly compelling recordings. Um, it is, we should say, it is cut very, very badly. Um, and there's a bit of, of live ensemble trouble, as you you heard there. Um, but that's, I mean, the entry there that we heard with the applause sort of carrying Tucker um, into the opera. It really is incredibly dramatic stuff. I mean, this is Tucker sort of seriously on top form early in his career. Um, just a hint of crooning about what he's doing, and yet that sort of buttoned-up heroism that he, he can bring well, in the Well, it's lovely. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of lightish sound, isn't it? It and is. It, and it, it dances because of oh, that. Oh, it absolutely does, and it's such a focused sound as well. Mm. It really... Um, it's it's lovely. And we should say, he's he's actually a repeat offender in this role. He's on no fewer than three recordings, um, and this is his first, only seven years after his debut at the Met, where this was recorded. And it's on um, the Music and Arts label, if you want to track it down, by the way. It um, is. Th- can it be a contender... Overall, or is the sound going to, going to um, sort of render it? Well, we're going to. We'll hear a little more of it. We'll hear a little okay, more of it good. later. I didn't want to ditch it quite yet, um, but we should. We should compare Tucker to another tenor, and in this case, um, another repeat offender in this role. So we'll skip forward slightly to the point where Alvaro reassures Leonora that everything's ready, and to, to really remind her that tomorrow they're going to be married, so she should stop worrying. Sacerdote, aspetta, allora, 
Oh, yes. He used to be a tenor. Unmistakably, Placido Domingo, one of several recordings he's made of Verdi's La Forza. This one's uh, the one from the mid-1980s with the London Symphony Orchestra conducted by James Levine, also with Leontine Price. And uh, I, that feels like a contender. Yeah, I mean, how could you not take that seriously? I mean, it's so smooth. It's so suave. It's so thrilling at the top of the voice. Um, the only thing I'd say is that there is, even with Domingo, there's this danger that he's going to get submerged under the LSO there. They're at their most symphonic. Um, but it really is, I mean, it's a glorious sound. And if you he, want to hear the orchestral detail, this isn't a bad recording at absolutely, all, is it? Absolutely. It really is sort of microscopic detail. Now, what we haven't spoken about yet is the um, the fatal incident that drives the plot. No, exactly. So, of course, this just following that moment, this this duet that he's about to launch with Leonora, it all goes on too long. You know, there's a cavaletta that the Italian form needs to be finished. So they're discovered um, about to elope by Leonora's father, who doesn't want them to get together. And he is killed accidentally by Alvaro surrendering his weapon and the gun goes off. And this is the moment at which uh, the father curses them, uh, Leonora in particular. But there's, of course, something already quite fatal about the fact that this gun has gone off accidentally. It is an accident that's then going to drive everything else in the plot. Fate is behind us from this point. So we'll continue in the same recording um, as Leonora in Act 2 now. She asks to be allowed to live secretly as a hermit on the edge of a monastery. Leontine Price in the later of her two recordings there. That's in 1986. Also with Bonaldo Giotti, the bass with the London Symphony Orchestra. It's just, it's gorgeous, isn't it, again? Um, more covered sound than she is earlier in her career, especially low down, which is just that delicious sound. You can just melt inside. But what I love here is the real sense of urgency, especially also in the string figuration in the orchestra. Again, LSO really on, on top form, even if they are rather sort of unleashed at times. Um, and then those subtle shifts of tempo throughout the encounter with the Father Superior. Um, Giotti, he's great. He's genuinely lyrical. This is a role that Verdi actually describes as a basso profundo role um, and in some of the earlier recordings you do get rather heavy, rather stiff basses. stand and deliver basses, um, yes. Exactly, exactly. But what, what you get here is something much warmer, something much more lyrical and I think that, that works nicely. We've already heard some real differences in 
in even these short clips of the portrayal of um, Leonora, and there are obviously numerous approaches on, rec- on record, what, what works best for you? Uh, what aspects of the character do you feel need to come through in the voice? Does she have to feel trapped? I think... It needs to be dramatic. This is a role that you need a sense of push and pull within. Um, so, yeah, on, on record, we have everything from the sort of the wide-eyed innocent, um, who really is just sort of being put through the, the wheels of fate, through to very melodramatic sort of flesh and blood grown-ups, if you like, who are sort of half deranged. And we'll hear some more of all of that. Um, but I think, yeah, what we really need is the contrast within this role. She, she has to speak to us as a human if you like. Um, so the emotions come closer to the surface elsewhere. So let, let's try another recording. This is going to be Zinka Milanoff. <laughs> Zinka Milanoff as Leonora and Jerome Hines as Padre Guardiano in the Metropolitan Opera's 1952 performance conducted by Fritz Stiedry. Do you like the dynamic there between the pair of them? Well, I mean, I like Milanoff very much here. I think she really does do drama. She doesn't always sound comfortable lower down. But on the other hand, that chest voice when she says, Fremete, you shudder, it's, it really is shiver-inducing. This is, this is very fierce stuff. I think Heinz, for me, is a bit of a disappointment. He's a, clearly a very stern version mm. of the, the Father Superior. And I do feel as though quite a lot of the energy drains out of this as Steedry pulls the tempo right back um, as he sort of takes over. And that... that doesn't quite work for me. Um, it is, again, this recording is very badly cut. Um, but we should say it is fascinating as, I mean, I think it really is a great recording, a great performance that was recorded here. And it is worth a listen for that. But what I would say is if that still isn't enough drama for you, and I think this is an opera that can take significant melodrama. It comes, after all, it's based on a Spanish romantic play. Um, so let's try, I think, possibly the most melodramatic recording out there. We'll leap forwards in the duet um, to its to its moments of greatest tension here where the father superior suggests to Leonora that she might be better off in a convent and she does not like that idea. <laughs> Ricoverai monti, ciba le selve, e fin le bimbi, e tu, 
I think I know who that is. <laughs> Maria is. Callas, yes. The 1954 La Scala recording conducted by Tullio Serafin. Uh, obviously, she'd not be better off in a convent. Um, but, you know, if you want emotional extremes, Callas almost always delivers, and she does Indeed, here, she? she who, is who, your who's woman. The, who's the padre? <clears throat> This is a bass called Nicola Rossi Lemani. Um, he is quite wooden here, but I mean, who wouldn't sound wooden next to Callas, I suppose, is the question. I mean, she is, she's on top fierce form here. Uh, yes, the tone is uneven. Yes, some of those high notes are pretty wild, but what drama. She's practically sort of spitting the words out. Um, and also that beautiful coloured voice as she talks about hearing the voice of heaven. I mean, it is, um, she is the full-blooded human Leonora, if that's what you're looking for. But, we should say, it's not only Leonora who experiences emotional extremes in this piece. Uh, Alvaro Latena reappears at the start of Act 3. Um, he's been separated from Leonora in the aftermath of her father's death. He assumes she's dead and is praying for death himself. Senza noi 
Well, it's another thrilling voice. Uh, Jonas Kaufmann as Alvaro, this time in our first filmed production for DVD. That's uh, Martin Couchet's uh, production for the Verdi Bicentenary in 2013, Bavarian State Opera, and conducted by Asher Fish. It's interesting when you hear it without seeing the production um, here, it isn't is. it? Just, just concentrating on the sound alone. It is. So this is a this is a really powerful DVD to watch. We should say that straight away. Uh, this is Kaufmann in a, in a very long-haired wig um, and uh, alongside Harteros and Tezier. Um, and it is. It's, it's fantastically cast. It's really compelling to watch. Um, once you don't have the visuals, it's strange. You notice more of the problems, I think, perhaps with, with Kaufmann's uh, singing in particular here. Though it is, it's very beautiful. It is sensitive he has power but it is under quite a lot of tension there's some sort of strain there it's, it's, it's almost hysterical um, yeah which places, is which interesting is a why should he not be <laughs> <laughs> he is after all he he's good at these these modern tenors these modern men um but of course there are other ways to portray alvaro in all his despair so let's try let's go backwards a bit in time and and take up richard tucker again Richard Tucker, conducted by Thomas Shippers in 1964. He's still suffering here. There's absolutely no question. There's the sob on the voice, but it's a different kind of masculinity that we're hearing here. And it, again, it's that focus that Tucker does so well. He's he's working with the words. Um, oh, everything is so there's so yeah. much sort of flexibility within this basic sense of sort of poise and 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 slight buttoned upness that just comes with that era of singing. Well, you're listening to BBC Radio 3, Record Review's Building a Library. Flora Wilson here comparing recordings of Verdi's fatalistic opera, The Force of Destiny. And Flora, 
We haven't added the third part of the love triangle yet. No, Who's no. So it is indeed time to meet our third party, and that's Leonora's brother, Carlo, who spends the opera seeking revenge for the death of his father. Um, and the right baritone for this job really needs to be able to hold his own against all these seriously top-flight tenors who play Alvaro. There is a danger of being overshadowed, of course, in such situations. That's uh, Richard Tucker again, and this time with uh, Carlo Tagliabue, um, the baritone with the La Scala um, forces conducted by Tullio Serafin. And uh, I said love triangle. It's not a love triangle. It's a triangle. It's definitely a triangle, but, but a different sort of love, perhaps, in this case. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Tucker again. Um, and he just continues to ooze personality, even on what we imagine might be his deathbed. Unfortunately, baritone Tagliabue... <laughs> He just can't really live up to that. He sounds sort of lacklustre, I'm afraid. Um, and that is a shame. But this is Verdi in the 1860s. So, of course, there are plenty of opportunities for baritones to shine. And we'll hear one of those next. Questa chiave indico Col fol che tento e la fe che giurai e questa vita che tempo è suo valore cambiò se fosse quell'indovale detto che macchiò il sangue mio il fuggero si franca non mi vede no Destiny. 
yes, that is Cheryl Milnes as Don Carlo de Vargas, and that's in the RCA recording with Domingo and Price. I, th- I think we said it was, we're about a decade out. Um, it's 1976. I think we put it in the mid 80s. It's not, it's 76. But this is Milnes showing why he is one, was one of the great Verdi baritones of all time, I think. He sounds thoroughly nasty at first there in that Shana spitting out the words, really, as he, he weighs up whether to betray this friendship um, or not to discover who uh, who this tenor really is. Um, but then then it's all vocal warmth and lyricism. It's a great transition that he, he goes through. And the LSO, again, really sort of going hell for leather here, even in this rather boomy acoustic that they're in. Um, of course, there are other great Verdi baritones out there. We'll try another one here. This is Robert Merrill. Se fosse quell'indomoledetto Che macchio il sangue mio Su gelo si franga In qui mi fede No So another big name mid-century baritone there, uh, Robert Merrill with Thomas Shippers and the RCA Italiana, RCA Italiana Opera Orchestra. Um, I love the grittiness that you get in the strings there during the Shana. The orchestra is somehow showing you how nasty this character might be. Merrill himself just sounds like he's spoiling to, for a fight, um, despite the fact that he's in his early 50s at this point. But I love the way that in this recording, the nastiness of the Shana sort of bleeds into the aria itself. You get the sense of the lyricism even is, has been sort of infected by, by the fact that he's, he's really torn between the sort of the good and the less good parts of his personality. The phrasing here is gorgeous, the use of tone colours. Um, and I, I think by just taking this a little bit faster, you get so much more momentum. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we, what have we had? We've had accidental death, we've got the finger of fate, we've got the nastiness of Don Carlo, tragedy and torment writ large. Is there any light relief? Because Verdi there is, is very good at doing this, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely comedy is. with the tragedy. It's carefully balancing it all out, as you say. Um, and so Verdi builds this in. There are scenes set in a military camp um, with the chorus and, above all, with a sort of mistress of ceremonies, uh, the gypsy Preziosilla. Dalento di chi giunta di 
Olga Borodina there as the Gypsy Preziosilla. Um, and that's in a recording conducted by Valery Gergiev with the Kirov Orchestra. And it's actually, if you didn't recognise the melody there, that's because it's the singing, uh, it's the original 1862 version of the opera that Verdi actually wrote for St. Petersburg. And so the original version of this song is, is obviously supposed to sound a bit folksier, perhaps even a little bit more Russian. Um, Borodina does a great job here. She's sort of graceful and elegant. Um, she's not the wild party girl that you hear elsewhere. This, if you're interested in that first version of the opera, this is absolutely the recording to listen to. Um, it's great sound, lots of really good singing from an all-Russian cast, which has its own sort of historical interest in, well, in relation given, to this given opera. Given that it was, it, it was premiered yeah. in St Petersburg, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice thing. It feels good, doesn't it? It is, um, and it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to listen to. The only thing is that this version of the opera, I'm afraid I just find it less satisfying. It is clear that Verdi wasn't happy with it. He did continue mm. to, to work he on the opera. The he version, did prefer the La Scala He did prefer the later La Scala version for 1869. And I think what you get in that later piece, the later version, is a subtler kind of drama. He's learnt above all from the experience of, of producing Don Carlos for Paris in 1867. And what we hear is something so much more varied. So let's go back to that, that later version of the opera. And we'll skip forward slightly to, we'll stick with Prezio but go to her main test, really, in both versions of the opera. And it is quite a test, too, as this version makes, as this recording, rather, makes clear. Nadia Krastova at the Bavarian State Opera on the DVD again. Um, I think, unfortunately, the, the sort of radical shifts in tone quality between different parts of her voice makes it clear that this is not a role for all mezzo-sopranos. The interesting thing is that Verdi originally said that he wanted this to be a role like the page Oscar um, in Ballo in Mascara. He actually wanted it to be a soprano originally, and then he turned it into a contralto or mezzo part. But it does still need to sparkle, I think. It needs to have that lightness. You need to avoid these huge sort of audible gear changes. We haven't talked about the chorus in no. The Force of Destiny at all. Um, is, it one, is that because it's not one of those Verdi operas where the chorus is a major player? Well, I think there are a lot of major players in this opera, really. So um, <clears throat> the chorus... Uh, ends up taking a back seat slightly. It is crucial to these these alternative scenes when we're not concentrating on our, our sort of principles. Um, and it does matter. He, Verdi himself said that what, what really mattered for the massed voices in this opera is attack. And we do hear that in the background um, 
of Preziosella's song here. And the chorus is pretty good on this DVD recording, again, particularly given the fact it's a live performance. Let's hear another Preziosella, though. This is going to be Shirley Verrett under Shippers. And she really makes this onomatopoeic song into... She, she makes such good musical sense out of it. We can hear her phrasing is really musical. Verrett as the Gypsy Preziosilla with the RCA Italiana Opera Orchestra and Chorus conducted by Thomas Shippers, that 1964 recording. And she really makes music out of it, doesn't she? She does. I love how resonant her ends are as well. She, she makes such good sense of this piece, which is a sticking point, really, in this opera for some recordings. Um, I feel we, I have to mention the fact that we've not played extracts from some fantastic recordings that are out there, particularly the Alvaros, actually. The tenors, the, the Delmonico recorded this, Begonzi Carreras. They're all recordings that are brilliant to listen to in some ways for various reasons. They didn't end up making the cut this morning. Um, it is a real ask, actually, to have three persuasive and also well-matched principles in this piece, as well as a preziosilla who can provide light relief in a persuasive way. For me, uh, Freni Undermuti is just not quite interesting enough. I want I want the complexity of this woman. Um, and Muti's tempi, you should say, are also relentlessly fast, which which can get a bit sort of dull. Um, Callas is obviously at the other extreme, and she yeah. is fabulous um, at her most Callas-like in this recording. Um, but I find her Carlo really does let that recording down. Kaufman is a, uh, on that fantastic DVD, definitely the best of the DVDs out there um, from the Bavaria State Opera. Um, so that's that's definitely a sort of serious contender. Um, but ultimately, as a DVD, the sound, the you know, as a, an audio-only recording, it's just not quite up there at the top. It sounds like we're down to two. So I think we are indeed left with two left uh, on the table. There's Shippers recording um, in from 1964 with with Price, Tucker, and Merrill, and then there's Levine's um, in 1976 with Price, Domingo, and Milnes, and that means there's only one thing for it: we need to compare <laughs> Price with herself. So here she is in Leonora's final aria as she begs for peace. <laughs>
Price in 1976. I mean, this is beautiful, beautiful singing. Such poise. It's beautiful covered sound. And the LSO's just, frankly, deluxe strings. But let's compare her then to herself um, a decade earlier in Price again that time for shippers in the mid sixties uh, compared with the Domingo recording a decade later. Uh, Flora, you're going to have to pick. Is this tossing it's... a coin or is it easy for you? Oh, oh goodness! <laughs> I mean, it's a matter of taste. I think that's the thing that has to be said here. They're both fantastic recordings. For me, that earlier recording is as good as it gets. I mean, the way that Price climbs out of the pianissimo at the start, um, she's it's such intense singing. Um, I like the pace here a lot. I think Shippers has a fantastic sense of the urgency of this opera. And there's also there's some real flexibility in the way he manages the, the orchestral sort of sound here and the surrounds even for that voice. Just a hint of bite from the woodwind. Um it's a fantastic recording. Uh, yes, for me, it's got to be that 1964 with Price. There's pathos throughout it, but nowhere more than the final trio of the opera with Leonora dying. And as fate finally seems to be losing its grip. So the opera ends tragically, of course, but also with its first serious glimmer of hope and the possibility of redemption.
tragic ending, but offering a glimpse of redemption. Verdi's La Forza del Destino, The Force of Destiny, in the recording that for reviewer Flora Wilson, above all the others she's been comparing, is as good as it gets. Leontine Price, Richard Tucker and Giorgio Tozzi with the RCA Italiana Opera Orchestra conducted by Thomas Shippers in 1965. The power of the performance making light of the passing of over half a century since it was made. So that's Flora's overall Building a Library recommendation. It's on the Sony label. It's currently available as a download, and you'll find full details of Flora's choice on the Record Review website. You've been listening to a podcast edition of Building a Library from BBC Sounds. Next time, we'll be immersed in Tchaikovsky's Memories of Italy. Stephen Johnson compares recordings of Tchaikovsky's Souvenir de Florence for string sextet or string orchestra. You can listen live if you join me, Andrew McGregor, for Record Review every Saturday morning from 9 on BBC Radio 3, on FM Online and on BBC Sounds, where you can discover more music, radio and podcasts like this one. This is a download from the BBC. For more information and for terms of use, go to bbc.co.uk slash radio3.